The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. We're coming lower to the rising sun, and about a mile out, we'll put on the music. Music? Yeah, I use Wagner. Scares the hell out of the slopes. My boys love it. Big Duke Six Eagle Thrust. Put on Cywar up. Make it loud. And the Romeo Fox Trot. Shall we dance? popular pieces of classical music is Richard Wagner's Rit der Valkyrien, or Ride of the Valkyries, a selection featured in Wagner's opera The Valkyrie. It's perhaps his most famous composition, and has been used many times in pop culture as a song of attack, as we just heard in that classic scene from Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. Prior to its use in Apocalypse Now, the melody was featured in the Looney Tunes short What's Opera, Doc?, otherwise known as In Norse mythology, the Valkyries were female figures who took slain warriors to Valhalla, where they would prepare to fight in Ragnarok, the great battle of the end of the world. A thousand years before the Vikings told their sagas of their gods, the Greeks wrote plays based on their mythology, becoming the first stories to be adapted into popular entertainment. Nearly 2,500 years later, the gods of old are still finding themselves in new performances. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to go over how these characters have stood the test of time and proven their immortality with some questionable entries. Later on, I'll also give my review and commentary on the latest story to feature a mythological god, Thor the Dark World. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies. To good movies. To every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! That's not even a word! Game over, man. Game over. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you watch more television than ever before. Welcome to another episode of Arts Review and Commentary. My name is Omar Latiri, and I'd like to give a big thanks to those who attended the Realm Meet and Greet last week. It was wonderful to meet fans and participants of all the Realm shows, and it made me feel like I was part of a growing family. As some of you may know, a new addition to the Realm family is one of the original radio gods, Don Geronimo. Go to buzzburbank.com to listen to Buzz Burbank's exclusive interview with Don Geronimo. Speaking of gods... Wow! Nice segue. As I mentioned before, the portrayal of deities in entertainment has been around for millennia. Of the many cultures that have lent their myths to us, it is Greek mythology that is most present in our stories, much more so than the Egyptians, the Norse, or the Sumerians. Japanese mythology has many stories, and while many of those stories have been adapted into manga and anime, their appeal hasn't crossed over into mainstream Western entertainment the same way that the Greek stories have. 
So why have the Greek myths been more popular throughout the centuries than others? Well, for one thing, prior to the 19th century, no one in the world could understand the stories written by the ancient Egyptians and Sumerians because no one had been able to translate the hieroglyphics and cuneiforms of those respective dead languages. As for the Japanese, prior to 1853, the empire protected a very isolated culture, so Western knowledge of Japanese stories is also a relatively recent thing. The Greek myths were fortunate to not have been lost in the sands of time, and the plays of Aeschylus, Sophocles, and Euripides are still being performed today. The appeal of the Greek myths, much more so than the Norse ones, is that the gods regularly meddled with human affairs. On several occasions they would come down to earth and, um, how shall I put this? Hook up? <laughs> <laughs> They would hook up with mortals. The children of these unions were half god, half human. That clip was from Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Lightning Thief. It's a modern-day adaptation of the myth of Perseus, and for the uninitiated, it's a very good introduction to the Greek myths. Many elements from the myths are inserted into the story, which are exciting enough on the surface. But if you're aware of the truths behind the different mythological creatures, Watching Percy Jackson can make you feel like your time studying the Greek myths were appreciated. Of course, the movie doesn't explain how Medusa can still be alive if the original Perseus slew her all those thousands of years ago. It has a very American conceit in that these Greek characters reside in the United States. Seriously, the portal to Mount Olympus is at the top of the Empire State Building? As we heard in the previous clip, the gods came down from Olympus to interact, fall in love, and sometimes just mess around with mortals. The origin stories of many of the greatest heroes involve Zeus banging a human female, and her offspring would grow up to become Perseus or Hercules. The gods were not above what we consider today to be emotions that are base or profane. The only difference between the gods and humanity was simply the power the gods had over the natural world. The gods were jealous, they would scheme, and their pettiness was a reflection of humanity's own failures. And I believe that's why the Greek myths have played such a large part in popular entertainment for thousands of years. My first experience watching a Greek myth on screen was when my 6th grade class watched the 1981 fantasy Clash of the Titans when we studied Greek mythology. Clash of the Titans, starring Harry Hamlin as Perseus, Judy Balco as Andromeda, Burgess Meredith, Maggie Smith, Ursula Andress, Claire Bloom, Sean Phillips, Flora Robeson, and Florence Olivier as Zeus. Before history, beyond imagination, Clash of the Titans. Looking back, I realized that watching the movie informed my experiences on a lot of future screenings. First of all, the story shown in the movie was very, very different from the myth that we learned in class. Even then, I understood why the differences were added to the movie. The original story wouldn't have worked on screen. According to myth, Perseus's slaying of the Kraken wasn't his goal. He just happened to be in the area when he did it. Even the monster's name wasn't Kraken in the original story. The Kraken is a totally different sea creature from a different culture. 
But I understood that adaptations were necessary in order for a movie to appeal to a broader audience. Second, the visual effects used in the movie were obviously effects. I did not for one second believe that the stop-motion Medusa ever posed a danger. It was like watching a cartoon interact with a live actor similar to Mary Poppins. Stop-motion animation in the 80s looked dated even then, and it would be another six long years before I would be impressed with an artificially filmed enemy, namely the CGI dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. But besides learning about adaptations and having a critical eye for visual effects, Clash of the Titans made me appreciate one very crucial thing. How showing a woman's naked ass on screen can really capture my attention. I give a lot of credit to my teachers at Burtonsville Elementary for letting us watch that. Yeah, there were the inevitable cat calls from the boys and oh my gods from the girls. But our teacher simply yelled, knock it off. She didn't turn off the TV or try to cover it up. She simply chastised the class for making a bigger deal than it should have been. Because of my teacher's behavior, I learned that it's okay to watch nudity on screen. You just don't have to be a d about it. She got a great ass! Unlike Percy Jackson, I don't think I would recommend Clash of the Titans as a primer to Greek mythology, nor would I recommend the 2010 remake or its 2012 sequel, Wrath of the Titans. The 1963 visual effects classic Jason and the Argonauts is just that, a visual effects classic. There's no real value to the movie besides its place in history in the world of stop-motion animation, and therefore it's only a movie that's appreciated by film buffs. Come to think of it, the Greek gods haven't fared that well in TV and film. One of the dumbest movies of all time was a 1969 movie called Hercules in New York, starring a man credited as Arnold Strong as Hercules. Here he is talking to his father, Zeus, asking to go down to Earth. I'm tired of the same old faces, the same old things. Tired or not, you're staying here. Fans of Arnold Strong know him by a different name and a different voice. Here is Hercules undubbed. I am tired of the same old faces, the same old things. Tired or not, you're staying here. The Greeks gave us democracy, but they also gave us Hercules. Hercules gave us Arnold Schwarzenegger. Therefore, the Greeks gave us Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which means the Greeks gave us this. Put that cookie down! Now! When we come back, a brief overview of the Marvel hero Thor and my review and commentary of Thor The Dark World. I spent the evening with the radio Well, hi there, gang. This is Don Geronimo from the radio. Regret the moment that I let you go. It's a special edition of the Buzz Burbank Interview with Don Geronimo. Hi, Buzz. I'm going to sit back. You drive. And in case you're wondering, it does get real. We talk about why he left the Don and Mike show and why the two of us didn't speak for five years. I finally went in and just said, that's it. And at that point, there was no contact. And I copped to my part of it. It wasn't personal. It was, I had so much other going on. People could just as well ask me, well, why didn't you reach out to Don? I had no misunderstanding about your decision. I knew that you needed to start a new life. We both are so Burbank interview. Now this is uncensored. You can say absolutely anything you want. Use any words you like. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Stand by for a big one. All right. With Don Geronimo. Brought to you by Newton's Noodles, 1129 20th Street, Northwest, D.C. It's a Realm Network presentation. When we say something's going to be big, it's going to be big. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. You should know that when you betray me, I will kill you. When do we start? Thor The Dark World, the sequel to the 2011 movie Thor, is the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a franchise that has now earned an estimated $5.4 billion. The title character Thor is based on the Norse God of Thunder, a character with his own rich history that Stan Lee developed and adapted into a Marvel Comics hero back in 1962. The comic book adaptation of the mythological characters is surprisingly faithful to the original Norse sagas, minus the interaction with Captain America and Iron Man. Prior to these movies, and because I didn't read the comic, I personally never got why Thor was popular as a comic book character. After all, why would the Norse God of Thunder care about something as trivial as stopping crime in New York? Even in the 1987 movie Adventures in Babysitting, when Vincent D'Onofrio's character is mistaken for the comic book character Thor, I didn't get why the character Sarah idolized him. You see, as I touched on before, the Norse gods didn't really involve themselves in mortal affairs. Therefore, the thought of one of the gods coming down from Asgard to play hero didn't ring true. The genius of Stan Lee and company was to alter and adapt the Norse legend and put a Greek-like spin on the character. How? By giving him humility and by introducing a mortal romantic interest in the form of Jane Foster. The original story for the comic book Thor was adapted satisfactorily in the 2011 movie. It didn't hurt that the cast included Academy Award winners Anthony Hopkins and Natalie Portman and directed by Academy Award nominee Kenneth Branagh. Thor, Odinson, you have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war! You are unworthy of these realms, unworthy of your title! You're unworthy of the loved ones. You have betrayed. It may have been a superhero movie, but with that kind of talent, it's not that hard to believe that you're listening to a Shakespearean performance. Unfortunately, that level of gravitas is not present from Anthony Hopkins in Thor The Dark World, but I'll get to that in a minute. Let me first say that this sequel is a much more fun movie to watch than its predecessor, with a lot of action and humor that you should expect from a live-action superhero movie. The stakes are higher, with the nine realms of the universe in danger, instead of just a small southwestern town in the U.S. Every actor seemed to be having fun with their roles, with Kat Dennings absolutely stealing the show with her comic timing that's absolutely wasted in the horrible CBS sitcom Two Broke Girls. And current it guy Tom Hiddleston exudes coolness in his villainy. 
Oddly enough, the weakest performance from the movie came from none other than Sir Anthony Hopkins himself. He just seemed to be phoning in his lines, and I never got that he cared about any of his Asgardian family or even that he was Odin, King of the Gods. We just heard how capable he is of delivering a good performance. My guess is that director Alan Taylor was just too timid to coax more presence out of Hopkins' line delivery. Now, if you're not into superhero movies, that's alright. You can stay home and wallow in your own sense of artistic superiority. If you're like me and enjoy having fun watching good action, then by all means, see this movie. But save yourself some change by watching it in regular 2D. 3D isn't necessary for this one. 4 out of 5 stars for Thor The Dark World, and don't forget to stay throughout the entire credits for not just one, but two additional scenes. That's it for this episode of ARC. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes and leave a 5-star review. Also, check out all of the great Realm shows on the Realm Network by visiting realmnetwork.com. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews. Follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews. And you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. The Realm Network.